Welcome to Crazy Wisdom. I'm your host, Luke Antrop. Crazy Wisdom is our show about the wild, the unexpected and interesting places we find ourselves in during our quest to live a life of deeper meaning and deeper truth. My hope is with each conversation and each story, you discover a new part of yourself on your journey towards making the most out of this one wild and precious life. This is a Soulfire production. I am joined on this week's show by Ina Speaks Simply, Malikish. Ina is a sex therapist and leads retreats around sacred sexuality. Uh, welcome to the show, Ina. Thank you so much, Luke. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yes, so happy to have you. You know, I think maybe the best way to introduce you to our community is to share a story, a story about how you really changed my life. So let's start there, shall we? Yes, thank you. Okay, very good. So, you know, this story starts, I was, I grew up in a Catholic home and in this tradition, sex was something that was very mysterious and very forbidden until you were married. And there was just a ton of kind of shame and guilt around it. I remember when I was about 12 or 13 years old, my parents took me to the back of the church and gave me a ring and said, you know, you wear this ring until you meet the, the woman that you marry, and you're married until God then, <laughs> until that happens, until you're married, and you're not to have sex. This was the chastity ring that I, that I received. So that was kind of the culture I grew up in, right? And there was just a ton of kind of confusion, but also obviously a lot of intrigue and interest about this, this forbidden thing, sex. And I spent much of my late teens and 20s shedding that just garbage of the Catholic Church and really explored sex in a deep way, but not in the most conscious way. And I think, you know, at times left awake, like most men, young men, like losing awareness and consciousness and in some way, you know, hurting women around me or just not knowing exactly, just a lot of awkwardness. And as I began to find myself into in in men's work in men's circles i discovered a retreat where sex was treated in a much different way and you know i was in my late 20s and i'm in a room with about 30 people in a retreat and you were at the front and you were teaching about the kind of the life cycle of sex across the life cycle and you called me to the front and there's you know 30 people watching us and you had me sit knee to knee with you. And you really just helped me relax. You, you said, you know, slow down your breathing and just feel me. And then you placed my hand on your heart and your hand on mine. And then we placed our other hands kind of at the base of our bodies. And we just, you said, just breathe with me. Just breathe and be present with me and begin to feel me and feel my heart. And I'd never had an experience quite like that of, uh, slowing down so much that I could feel the subtleties of your breath, feel the subtleties of how your heart was fluttering and mine was racing. And um, it was just this exquisite experience of sensitivity. And I will never forget the words you left me with, which, which have been a guiding principle, which were, before you ever smell a flower, always ask it first and make sure she says yes. This profoundly changed the direction of my life, my relationship to women, 
and the feminine. I took that as a quite literal practice. I have never smelled a flower on the earth without first slowing down and feeling into the plant to its essence and allowing it to say her to say yes to me. Most of the time she does. Sometimes she says no quite fiercely. Sometimes she says not yet, but it's allowed me to cultivate a sensitivity in a way that I just never knew existed. And, you know, I'd done a lot of male initiation up in that point in my life. I'd banged on drums in the woods and I'd done all the ferocity of being surrounded by men. But this was my first experience of being initiated by a wise elder woman into my sacred masculinity. So for that, I thank you. That story, I mean, I didn't remember any of it. I do not remember any of that <laughs> because when there is that kind of an event, uh, the the workshops and the Shula Kwe Kwadoshka, um, then I let it go. I let it go because, it, you know, the, we shared that moment. And and then I let it go. So when you reached out to me to be on your crazy wisdom show and you and the depth of the story you shared t today was even, you know, even more impacting, more powerful uh, than what you shared the first time. But even that brought tears to my eyes. So thank you so much for becoming the man that that you are and for integrating all the different things you learned to be who you are today. Mm, well, thank you. Yeah, a true blessing. I think the conversation today, you know, my hope is that we can explore some of these topics of the sacred aspects of of sexuality, which aren't all love and light. Some of them are pretty dark and, and nasty, frankly, right? And as it should be. And, you know, there's a way in which this, I mean, this is your work. You're working with couples and individuals around issues around sexuality and, and really making making it holy. And I'd love the conversation to be a bit of an exploration around that. But maybe we can start with the story. And I'm just so curious for you, you know, if you could say a bit more about like the, the importance of bringing young adults into these moments of kind of initiation and really understanding the depth of sensitivity and, and what both young men and young, young women need. Well, the operative word here is young. Because we start awakening, our sexuality is always present with us. They've done research that babies in the womb will self-pleasure. It feels good, period. It just feels good. And so they're soothing themselves. You know, if mom and dad are fighting or mom's drinking too much or smoking cigarettes, whatever that pregnancy is. So as, the, as we uh, mature and our bodies start to awaken, of course, our curiosity, God made us curious so that we would explore and discover. Our culture doesn't really permit that and it doesn't guide it in a sacred way. So the importance of bringing sacred sexuality isn't, first of all, we have to expand the word. Sex for most people just means, you know, this means this, right. you know, Rubbing. and that's not... Yeah. yeah, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that is so powerful. It's the most powerful energy in the universe. It's called love and it's unconditional love. And it's loving our own body and loving our own genitals and loving the what we've chosen in this lifetime of what body to come into, a masculine or feminine body. Now, how, what we do and how we dress, who we make love, that's no big deal. 
that's personal choice and that's uh, what we need to learn. Recognizing the beauty of the gender you chose and then respecting yourself and respecting partners. So we actually need to teach this to everyone. That's why the spiritual sexuality workshops I do, some of them are Kwidoshka, some of them are from a different genre, the uh, sex therapy I do. It's first the expansion of, do you know how to breathe slower? One of the first things I did with you, breathe slower, slow down, breathe, let yourself experience, let yourself feel. Because sex without intimacy becomes pretty jaded. Sex without that level of spiritual consciousness, yes, it feels good. I've never had a bad orgasm. Have you? <laughs> Not yet. I'd like to try, though, maybe. It's a, it's a quest. It's a quest I'm on. <laughs> It'll never happen. You'll okay. never have a bad orgasm, but okay. have fun trying. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. So, the, you know, when we say young... Age does not necessarily determine maturity, nor does it determine youth. The idea is that we want to be an example of sacredness within how we think, how we feel, how we communicate, and to love. My heart gets so full of love when I'm working with my clients. And you might say, well, that's not sexual. Yes, it is. Love is very sexual. Grandfather's son makes love to grandmother earth and he ejaculates, you know, the hundred thousand miles, whatever that is. And it goes deep, penetrates deep into her core, which is why we have a living grandmother planet because of the magma at her core is heated. And so we women need to be receptive to your masculine spark to your fire because your fire and desire for us is what helps us then birth a world just like grandmother earth births the plant children the animal the human we are on a living breathing planet and when women don't know how to receive that masculinity because we haven't been taught we die inside <laughs> and the same thing when a man wants to give himself and there's no earth to receive him then that just spews out into the universe and it doesn't plant seeds of possibility and seeds of enlightenment, seeds of evolving. So I've kind of really, I wanted to broaden what we're talking about when we talk about being sexual. Yeah, I love that. And I just, you know, I'm just remembering about, you know, these, these experiences I had with you and in these, in these retreat settings. And part of that experience is like, there are many different manifestations of our sexuality and and there's certain models and maps that we can use and I know the medicine wheel is, is like one example of where we can kind of look at how the masculine feminine dance together in these different kind of archetypes or personas and I'm wondering if you might share a bit of that right because it's I think so often especially if we're in a long-term monogamous relationship people get into ruts right we get into kind of the the same habits and patterns and and um, at, if we really are on a path of integrating our sexuality into who we are and how we're showing up in the world, there needs to be a lot of different flavors and textures that we bring into any moment. And I, I just really appreciate the, um, the way in which you teach this as, you know, these different, I think you call them love masks, right? The lover masks or the lover archetypes. 
Would you mind sharing a bit about that model? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. So first of all, for us to understand that it is our soul's demand to be curious and to learn as much as we can learn in any given lifetime. That includes how we express ourselves sexually. Now, you were raised Catholic. I was raised in a in a Jewish family. It's more bagels and cream cheese kind of Jewish versus Orthodox. So how we were raised, the culture, the country, um, the race is going to create kind of molding of what is acceptable behavior engaging sexually. So some cultures like oral sex is absolutely wrong. Uh, anything other than uh, for procreation is is wrong. So these lover archetypes are worldwide and it is something the soul wants to experience. So uh, this is kind of my, my intro into this. One of the reasons why uh, individuals love their partners, they don't want to get divorced, they don't want to separate, and yet there's infidelity. They end up having an affair. Oftentimes, it's because that person, that other person is so different than their partner. And they're so hungry to experience one of these eight lover archetypes. And they don't even know that there's eight archetypes. They don't even know that their soul is hungry to explore this. And they end up having an affair with this other archetype. So one of the ways to to mitigate that, especially if you're in a monogamous traditional relationship, is you have to have really open communication. So you would go home and you would say, honey, I saw this woman and she's an older woman. So you don't have to feel, you know, um, jealous or anything. She's an older woman. There was so much eroticism and sensual energy from her. And this is how I, I witnessed her. Would you be willing to play a role with me and step into the high temple priestess? Because that's kind of what she reminded me of, like a high temple priestess. I could be the high temple priest and we can bathe together and we can oil and we can anoint each other. We can create beautiful music and candles and, and let's create this. And then let's come together and make love from a totally different way rather than Wednesday night under the covers when the kids have gone to bed, you know, and we're both exhausted. Hmm. <laughs> let's take the kids to grandmas and grandpas. Let's get a hotel room. Let's create this. Let's convert the hotel room and let's convert the bedroom. And that together you create something new and exciting, not knowing where it's going to go, not knowing what it might look like. Maybe you go online and you explore ancient temples, ancient practices of sacred, maybe how they dressed and you go and you make a costume of that. So now you've got a whole nother way of being. And there's eight. I just, I just shared two. One is high temple priest, priestess. The other is social conditioning. That can look like anything depending upon is your social conditioning kind of traditional where you know, dad, you're, you're outside doing the yard. Mom is inside doing laundry and you have your PTA meetings and your boy scout and girl scout, you know, and there's very little time to make love, <laughs> very little time. So that's where most people come to me. Cause as, as a marriage counselor is that during the raising of children is when it's most, uh, that's when the greatest divorce rates takes place. It's just so hard. So social conditioning might be, let's go to the movies. 
Let's get a babysitter. You and I go to the movies. And the key here is kind of dress sexy. Ladies, dress sexy. Um, You know, wear something, a skirt not pants, wear a skirt and invite his hand to like be on your leg in the movies, you know, kind of like, remember when you used to make out in the movies, make out in the movies, <laughs> just do some things that maybe you did when you were younger. And so social conditioning, um, Luke can also be people who are in an alternative lifestyle. So that might be on Monday night, she has her goddess meeting. He has his brotherhood on Tuesdays, uh, they have the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Then on Wednesday night, they like going to the dungeon for a little B&D. And then um, a Thursday, uh, they go over to a friend's house who's having kind of an open lifestyle party. And then Friday, they're with the kids and, and the weekend. And the kids don't know anything about this other life. But that could be social condition for them. That gets boring, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. What are some of the other, I mean, I'm just curious, like some of these other archetypes, if you could just kind of name them so that people can feel into all these different textures that we can express ourselves in sexually. Absolutely. Well, there's kind of shy and curious, you know, and it, it, you're still an adult, but the, we, there's a shyness in the head and the body is and the voice changes and it'll be kind of like, well, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And <laughs> the two adults playing and sometimes it doesn't really go very sexual. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits of the shy curious is when my husband and I have been so tired. It's like we would like intimacy. We're so tired. We'll say, okay, we're both exhausted. We probably will fall asleep. Let's play. Let's see what's going to happen. And that plane, he's a Montana rancher farmer, so he knows what a bull sounds like. So he starts doing this snorting thing all over my body, you know, (laughs) which makes me giggle, you know. And then I do this, you know, this cat thing, you know, and I'm rubbing against him like, and we're just playing. And then children have an abundance amount of energy. So the child within gets into the energy from there. It might then go into wrestling, which then can go into actual lovemaking. But if we tried to start right at that adult place of lovemaking, we would have been asleep in minutes. So that's a shy curious. The other is adventure explorer. When you get locked into making love in the morning, in the bedroom, and no other place in the house and no other time that gets really boring. When you don't try different positions, it gets boring. When, um, I mean, I basically, when we first got together, um, and we were, I mean, you know, we're in that, that, that phase when All you first get together. New relationship energy and the novelty yeah, of it. Yes. Exactly. Well, after like a year of us making love in the bedroom, I said, okay, I'm done. For 30 days, we cannot make love in the bedroom. Any place else in the house, because we were empty nesters at that point, And, you know, we came together as adults. And so we, we would make love in the kitchen. We'd make love on the floor. I'm not saying it was always comfortable, you know, because I met, <laughs> we met when I was like 54. <laughs> but it was like, we have to break pattern. And that's something very important for me. I need variety. Now, that doesn't mean a variety of partners. For some, it would. Variety means variety. So we can plan the time frame. Like you work, I work. We can plan the time frame. But I don't want to plan what we're going to do inside the time frame. Let it be a surprise. Come come to me in a different way. So south, the 
it's puts on a medicine wheel. So my tendencies, I go Southwest adventure, explore. So how would you dress like that? Are you an Indiana Jones kind of guy where, you know, your clothes are half ripped off and the hat and you're going to come and you've got your whip and I'm going, Whoa, what, you know, this might be fun here. Um, (laughs) or, or am I going to be like, I'm going to age myself definitely now a Daisy May from the Dukes of Hazard. You got to really be old to know that one. I got it. And so childhood fantasy is coming back to me. Yes. Very good. <laughs> yeah, my husband too. So that, how are you going to express it? Because I have eight ways of expressing these. You have eight ways. Eight times eight is 64. Mm-hmm. Monogamy will never get boring. If we go around the medicine wheel to the West, that is the place of the physical body. That is where you're confident. That's lusty passionate. That is women possibly wearing the bustiers and the garter belt and the hose and or not. You know, we're all different sizes and different ages. And what would make me feel sexy? Now, there's sexy going out clothes. There's sexy staying home. Bedroom only. Men, you have much harder time. Luke, what would make you feel sexy? What kind of a costume, what kind of attire? And I'm asking you for real. What would, if you put it on, you would feel virile, you'd feel primal, you feel sexy. Well, I have a, I have a go-to that I like that I found in a, uh, in a costume shop in New Orleans like a decade ago. And it's like this, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a um, British nobility, like a, a long tailed jacket has me feeling like a, a king or super noble, but then wearing nothing under it. Right. So that there's there's uh, skin, you know, so this is like my my Burning Man uniform, my, you know, I wear this to these these types of experiences and feel like my chest just kind of puffs up a bit as I wear it. Oh, that's great. And what you just said, your chest puffs up. You feel great. You've tapped into your kingship, your authority. And so that's what the costumes are supposed to do. There comes a point where you don't need a costume. Right. You just step into the energy of it. But for the sake of learning, it helps to kind of to put on a different a different costume. I think all of our clothing is costumes. We wear a costume if if we need to go for a business meeting. We're going to wear a different costume if we're going to go country western dancing. Our clothing are just costumes. So what costume do you need to wear today with what your activity is? And do you need to change the costume to make yourself feel better? So another one is Northwest is bondage and discipline. Now we don't do the, the we do B&D, not S&M. We don't do sadomasochism because that's on the dark side. Now there'll be people who'll argue that point because they, that it's mutually, it's adults mutually agreeing to an activity. That's fine. But when you go to uh, creating designs in the body through cutting, through bleeding, through spanking so hard, it's blistered, um, I don't know that the inner child ever likes to be spanked. Mm, mm -hmm. The inner child is another way of saying our children's fire. Our children's fire is also our soul. Mm, mm -hmm. I don't know a soul that likes to be degraded and and made less than. So when we teach and when I teach bondage and discipline – You know, you could take on, you could be a waiter with a tray and my lady, you know, how may I serve you? May I undo this candy kiss and place it, you know, on your lips? 
So we can take on roles. We could be, I could be the French upstairs maid. How may I serve you? Um, mm-hmm. And then your imagination starts going because I'm bending over as the French upstairs maid. So <laughs> we can take on dominant and submissive. And it could be, I also have the full dark glasses and the leather, you know, and the, they, ha- they have so many different names for what you use, you know, if it's a switch, if it's whatever it is, a riding crop. So there's an energetic to that. So you walk in, you walk into the room, you take authority, you let people know if you're going to speak to me, you speak to me as Mistress Brandy. So it can go from the shy, kind of sweet, curious, tap into that. How would, how would you play shy, curious? How would you play dominant? The thing about dominant and submissive is that the submissive, the bottom, always is in control. It just doesn't look like it. They always have control. And the costumes can be very different, as I was saying, depending upon if you want to be an upstairs maid or if you want to go really into the leathers. And and it's always taught that there's a code word. And you do this at home, too. There's a code word. And the bottom always has that. So the bottom is the person who's either being pleasured because they did such a good job cleaning the house today. They did such a good job washing my car. Or the bottom could be being told what to do to pleasure the top. So it could take on different. And the code word for that I use is just stop. Stop means stop. Some people like to go, stop, stop, no, no. And actually what they're saying is more, more, I want more. So you've got to know yourself. And do you need to say like it, red is stop, yellow is slow down, green is go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we can begin to feel all of these different textures and kind of the archetypes, these these masks, as you say. And uh, you mentioned something that I think is really important, which is there's like a container or or like a time agreement for for couples in particular about when they enter into this. Like you're talking about basically making an appointment, a sex appointment in a certain way. You don't know exactly what's going to happen in that time. But I'm wondering if you could say a bit more about that, especially for those that are like in deep long-term committed relationships, there's like a, there's a whole thing about the structure of how you are coming together sexually. And I'm just, as a sex therapist and somebody who's, you know, deeply in this world, like what are the recommendations about how we kind of plan around this and, and, and create these experiences so they don't just happen where we're intentional about them? So communication is the foundation of any healthy relationship. And one of the most difficult things, couples, be they together a long time or if they if they live together, whatever, couple, communication, talking to anybody is the most challenging thing to be understood. So that's first and foremost. Talking about intimacy and sex is the hardest thing. I've had couples who are 50 years old. And they still have a difficult time talking about what they need, what what they are missing. And so learning how to speak openly and honestly without fear or state, I'm afraid if I really share this, what I would like to experience with you, that you're going to leave me. You're going to think I'm too weird. And, and so when couples come to me, oftentimes someone has spoken what they desire and the other person says, I can't do that. It's against my religion. It's against how I was raised. I can't do that. And so I help them navigate to find a middle ground. And again, it's 
the first thing is communication. You need to open that space and share with each other. I would like to have a talk about what is and is not working around our intimacy life, around our passion, around our sex life. It's best to have that conversation in nature, not not in the house. And there's a reason for that. Leave your phones in the car. <laughs> When you have the house calls, the house is alive. For women, I need to, the pillows need to be fixed. I should be washing the dishes. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. For us to just have a conversation where we're single focused with you, it's very difficult. But take us out of the house and sit us in the backyard, you know, in the shade, go for a walk, and the conversation will be much cleaner and it will flow much better. So that's one thing for men and women. And if you can sit close enough to touch each other, like I really want to have this conversation as you reach and touch, you know, the hand, um, you know, or you connection and speak from your eyes and speak from your heart and show your tears and show your fear and be open and honest. That's first and foremost. And at least that's giving you kind of a, a running start, you know, to make something new happen. Yeah, it's wonderful. There's a way in which we can then kind of be on the same page and align around desires and what we're available for, what we're not available for. And then in the like the kind of day to day, week to week, I know you've talked about like creating sessions, like scheduling lovemaking. So sometimes it's spontaneous and it's like we're just reading each other's energy and something happens. And then other times there needs to be some intention around like when we do it, where we, where we do it. Could you say a few words about that as well? Absolutely. It, the longer we're together, it doesn't mean that we read each other's minds or that we read each other accurately. Sometimes couples come in to do therapy and they say, well, I know what he's going to say. I know what she's thinking. I go, really? And how long have you known all this? Oh, for years. Well, then why are you in here with me doing therapy? So how about we just admit you're not reading each other and you don't know each other and you're both growing and change. So if you want something new to happen, you need to sit down and talk about it. You need to look at your calendars. You need to schedule a time. Do you want it to be in the morning, afternoon, evening? Does it need to be on a weekend? Do you need to arrange childcare? Just a different room and your lovemaking will change. A different time frame and say, I would like to schedule this. And then you can decide... You de you pick an expression like one of those lover somethings that Ina was talking about on that podcast. Pick one of those, and and I will just meet you, and I'll just be there. And then next time I'll pick one. Like I really want to explore being that vamp, that lusty passion. Or I want to explore the high temple priest priestess. I want to explore the top or the bottom. So you can talk about it. You can share, schedule the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a few pictures in my mind around these experiences in, in retreats and containers that are committed to sacred sexuality. And I think of one about, you know, just shattering the illusion of, of what happens when we're nude around other people mm. and how edgy and how healing that can be, how um, energizing that can be to be in a room of other people without their clothes on where there's not necessarily a lot of sexual energy, but we're just simply observing each other's genitals. We're looking at the differences. We're 
we're being witnessed ourselves by a room full of people. My goodness, how fucking edgy is that? And how <laughs> <laughs> how that might you know help uh, heal some self perception, right? And um, this is a practice I've experienced in a few different settings, and I know it's one that you you lead. And I'm just curious if you could say a word or two about this, like um, the power of being witnessed in our in our full glory in our birthday suits, specifically having our genitals viewed by others. So we need, we need to rewind, you know, uh, because there's a lot of um, first time explorers in your audience Mm -hmm. and, you know, and you just threw them off the waterfall. This is crazy. This is crazy wisdom, Ina. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there, but I want to take him into the pond first. Okay. So, so here and spoken like a true, uh, true <laughs> elder with with wisdom beyond mine. <laughs> so, in any state, you can find like a nudist resort, and, and the rules are very strict in nudist resorts. Uh, you can be, there's nudity, uh, there's no erections, you know, there's little cottages if you want to rent them in order to enjoy lovemaking, but just walking and having grandfather's son touching your body, feeling the wind against your body is so sensual. And when you look around at all these people, these are not body beautiful people. I mean, there's all ages. There's people who are, you know, way overweight, hundreds of pounds overweight. They don't care. There's people who are anorexic and they don't care. There's people who, you know, as the older we get, the more we sag, you know, and it's like, and we kind of bounce. And and that's the first place. I mean, actually, the first place is walking around nude in your own house. There are people who will not walk around nude in their own house, even if no one is home. So it's. It's look in the mirror at yourself. As a man, look at yourself the way a woman would look at you. Because if you don't, you're going to see your genitals as always too small. Hmm. The largest of men, if they have not actually seen other men, they think they're small. And then we go, uh, excuse me, you know, no, you're one of the larger type men, you know, what you see porn stars and they go, really? I thought I was like small. So the first thing is be nude with yourself. Look in the mirror with yourself, walk around the house nude. Then the next step would be with a friend, someone you trust, go to one of these nudist resorts and, you know, put on suntan lotion so you don't burn, especially here in Phoenix. Walk around nude. You will see, and all of a sudden you'll realize nudity just means your clothes are off. That's all. Does not mean sex. It doesn't mean you're going to get turned on. And if really sacred sexuality is what turns you on is their spirit and their soul. So that means you need to talk to people. You need to get a sense of who they are. If you're still focused on it's the body that turns you on, that's great. We all have our body types that we like. But that's not where the real turn on is. That's not where the higher levels of orgasm is that take you into outer space. It is the spirit and it's the energy connecting expressed through the body. So you said you have done a number of different workshops where there is nudity and it's not necessarily sexual at all. So as you're walking around and if you're talking to a woman or maybe you're in um, a lover archetype and she is beautiful, 
and sexy. And I'm looking at a man and the way he looks, it's like he's virile and his energy is masculine and everything in my body. I feel my pussy starting to kind of flutter. You know, I might see you starting to get an erection. And all I would do at that point is say, well, thank you for the compliment. (laughs) Thank you for the compliment. There's nothing you have to do about it. Don't have to be embarrassed about it. Um, I might, you know, my nipples might be getting hard and you could say, well, thank you for the compliment. You know, <laughs> so what we're doing is we're acknowledging we're human beings. Our bodies are, have a response to each other. There's a chemistry that we are connecting to, which can be done with your clothes on or clothes off or in an airport or eyes across a room. Lovely songs about that. But it just so happens we're in this training program to understand what sacred sexuality is. And we're all naked. And as we connect, our bodies respond. Why should we be embarrassed about that? But our culture makes us embarrassed. So, you know, if you want, you could pull your bathrobe over, you know, or you can pull the sarong, whatever. The idea of allowing and sharing the whole of our body, not just our genitals, but for women, it's our breasts, it's our buttocks. It's like the whole of me is being seen. Are you still going to talk to me after you've seen me naked? Are you still going to find me attractive and flirt with me after you see me naked? Those were my questions. I was scared to death and and it was actually going into a sacred uh, purification, sweat lodge, purification lodge. This was 40 years ago. I had never been naked in my life. And, And the person who was running it, the chief said, well, babies come out of the womb naked. They're not wearing any clothes. We're going back into the womb of grandmother earth, this sacred space. Just there's no touching of each other. Take your towel in, sit on your towel, let your body sweat unencumbered. It's kind of like swimming with clothes on. We call them bathing suits. I like to just swim, you know, in my birthday suit. So again, it is understanding you have to first gently introduce yourself and know that it's okay and teach it in a good way. If you have children, you don't want to have somebody visiting you who's a nudist and they're walking around nude and you have a a 11 year old boy or girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was one question that came to me. We have a house guest. She's a nudist. She wants to walk around nude. We're comfortable with it, but we have an 11 year old boy. I said, what the hell are you talking about? You tell her to get her clothes on and to be respectful. There's a child in this house, you know, and set your boundaries. So I'm, I'm sharing with you what I'm going to share with you in regards to the beauty of the body and being able to witness each other and to be proud of who we are. And we look so different. There's a great book called Petals and Nick Carraris, and he took photographs of all the different of women. And then there's another book where it's all men and where they show men flaccid as well as erect. It's, this is not pornography. It's not erotica. It's beautiful artistic photos and the same thing of women. So if you're wanting to understand that God made, it didn't make one flower. There's not just one tulip in the world. Our flower is, are you a tulip? Are you a rose? Are you a daisy? You know, oh, what kind of flower are you? And you can look at this book that Nick Carr's with the photographs and you can go, wow, 
wow, this is amazing. I always thought everyone looked like me. No, everyone doesn't look like you. Longer, shorter, thicker, you know, scrotum high, scrotum low, you know, turn around, wiggle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's such a, what a, what a beautiful way to, I mean, I think for me, this is the power of using the loving presence of others to reclaim parts of ourselves when done in a very safe and uh, with a lot of boundaries in a way that it is safe and it's deep, there is incredible healing to be witnessed by others in this way. So the boundaries Mm -hmm. and the respect and Mm -hmm. the not side talking, not laughing, not making jokes. It's like when, when we're, when you're naked and you're in a, a workshop, a training, it's not that you can't laugh and that you can't enjoy yourself, but there are times when you are just quiet and you're just respectful. And, um, and that's up to the leadership to maintain that level of integrity, which as you know, I do. Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other notable, I don't know, just shocking kind of, um, disorienting experiences I've had around sacred sexuality is this concept of like sex magic, right? Where we can, use erotic energy and erotic experiences uh, taking the cultivating deeper and fuller levels of eroticism and circulating sexual energy through our body and then channeling that into uh, practices that allow us to I don't know vision our life you know using it to kind of as a manifestation practice people will will imagine symbols of their desires for their life in moments of ecstatic bliss or orgasmic states as a way of kind of training the the body mind towards what they want and they desire and i'm just curious you know some of this i mean this for me is is kind of crazy wild stuff that i've dabbled in and always have found it entertaining i'm wondering if you might uh, and interesting and maybe it's sometimes useful sometimes not for me personally but um Always, always interesting. Nonetheless, I'm wondering if you might say a few words about kind of sex magic, using erotic energy as a form of like manifestation. It is a very powerful and sacred expression that great spirit gave us. We have, we are absolutely ignorant. We think sex is just for, for play and for fun or for making babies And God would not have given us the ability to breathe our body, called fire breath, breathe our body into a very extended and very high level orgastic state. No erection, no clitoral. It's not a a genital orgasm. It is an orgastic state. In that orgastic state, you can learn how to share that with another. And together, these two flames coming together is synergy. The sum is greater than the whole of the parts. And that's what our universe, how our universe was made. And so understanding that, that your fluid, your seed and my fluid, even if we're not going to create a child, those fluids together put with intent, the power of the mind, that intent births, it births science. It births quantum physics. It births uh, the evolution of our consciousness. It helps to bring in, if we are needing abundance, if we're needing a new car, if we're needing 
um, a new home that we can put our energy together and we can say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Wakantanka, for the abundance of health, for the abundance of wealth. Thank you for leading us. And then you have to get out of the way because we don't live in God's world. God's world lives inside of us. And we need to get out of the way to use this tremendous sexual energy and to direct it into manifesting who we want to be in the world and what, how we need help. I mean, God said, all you got to do is knock, you know, he'll answer. You got to ask and it will be given. You don't say, please give me. You say, thank you for me having received it because the universe only knows how to say yes. So if you say, I want this, I'm going to fuck. And then I'm going to say, and I want this. The universe is going to say, you can fuck all you want because (laughs) wanting isn't getting, you know? So I'm saying, I'm using these words because you did. So you gave me permission to. Oh yeah. We have that explicit warning on this podcast. So you're you're free to. Very good. (laughs) Very good. So you know, play when you want to play. And when you Mm -hmm. want to do ceremony, then bring in the elements, Mm -hmm. have water, earth, air, fire present around the space, set an intent, maybe write it down, get clear. And it's thank you. You thank before you thank the powers of the universe that created the everything. That's just such a beautiful explanation and kind of giving that some more form. Thank you. I'm curious, you know, as we start to bring this to a close, Mm -hmm. um, just you know, in this community, we really, we honor and listen to our elders. And um, I'm just curious for you, like, what, what is the role of sacred sexuality in this time, this year, 2022? Um, how, why is it relevant and important to live from this path in this moment in time, knowing what's happening in the world and this, you know, where we are with the genders and just curious if you could say a word or two about the importance of, you know, this path in this year. That's a big question. Thank you for asking me. Mm-hmm. So I'm immediately went to spirit cause I know spirit is here cause I could feel tears you know, on mm. the inside of me. So that's one way I connect to spirit. The gender doesn't matter. What matters is that spiritual sexuality is about um, unified, to be unified. It is to be unified with ourself, our highest self, our highest potential. It is to open up the neurons in our heart. We have a heart brain with the neurons in the heart connected to the neurons in the duality brain so that we can be one hearted and we can speak one hearted. The importance of sacred sexuality is more important now than it has ever been so that we can expand and we can feel the unconditional love that God has for us that we can then share with each other and we can reach across the oceans. We can reach across time and gender and age and open our hearts because this is a time for us to unify. This is a time for us to come together, humans in unity. We need this because together we are strong and we will, our light will just blast holes through the dark. It will just explode the dark and it's dying and it knows it because we are out there and we are doing this work and we're doing it together. And I thank you for the work you are doing to bring this kind of crazy wisdom out there. So sacred sexuality, more so than any other time on the planet, 
is vitally important because we are at no other time on the planet. And our souls chose to be here at this time for a reason. So become a part of that big love fest. (laughs) Wonderful. That's Ina Speaks Simply. How do people get in touch if they'd like to be in contact, work with you as a therapist or in some of your retreat settings? So my name, I-N-A, at talk to Ina, T-A-L-K-T-O-I-N-A dot com. Ina at talk to Ina dot com. Um, that's probably the, the, that's my email and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Great. And we'll put that in the show notes for people that want to click through there. So thank you so much, Ina. Really appreciate you joining today. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. If you like what you heard, please do rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen. This helps new people find the show. And maybe more importantly, it helps us grow our crazy wisdom community. My hope for you is between now and the next time you listen, that you try one new thing, one thing that would help you live a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life of greater love. And maybe that one thing is a little different, a little odd, a little intense, perhaps even a little crazy.